Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the 360 Experience. I'm your host, Tim Brahim, and uh, today's conversation promises to be valuable on a lot of levels. I mean, Steve Grossman is a legend in the mortgage business. Uh, I was fortunate to meet Steve um, back in the calendar year of 2014, so it's been some time now. Uh, he was a part of Leadership 360, Group 3, the third year that we had done the program. And uh, little did I know when meeting with Steve that first time that he was going to be such an important person in my life, both on a business and a personal level. I'm sure we'll get into the conversation about why it is that Steve is responsible for uh, my relationship with my wife, uh, but we will certainly dive deeply into a variety of different things that you need to be doing right now to be successful in the mortgage origination field. I mean, Steve is a, over 20 years, Steve produced over $100 million in production. Um, he is a principal owner in NJ Lenders in New Jersey. He's been uh, a mortgage originator for over 30 years. He still does loans to this day. And now he is uh, very much uh, intimately involved in the strategic marketing and business development strategies that NJ Lenders and its 100 plus loan officers deploy uh, and do a tremendous amount of volume. Um, buckle up, be ready for some laughs for sure, and uh, be ready to take a lot of notes. This is gonna be a very stimulating conversation that's gonna bring a ton of value. Before I get to my conversation with Steve, I just wanna remind you, Please, if you can subscribe, if you haven't already done so, to the show, that's super valuable to us. Uh, the more subscribers we have, then the more opportunities I have to get other guests on. Uh, this this business of podcasting is all about eyeballs. Um, and then secondly, is uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, please comment or or like the episode if you feel called to do so. Same on on uh, the different other podcast channels like Spotify and um, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So without further ado, I hope that you enjoy, because I'm sure I will, my conversation with my good buddy, Steve Grossman. What's up, big boy? My man, Timmy, how are you today? <laughs> uh, I'm good, man. I'm, it's it's kind of early in the morning here in California, and I get to start my day off by talking to you and having some fun. So uh, I can't complain. Looking forward uh, to it all day from the minute I woke up. Yeah, I want to. I, I was thinking, you know, normally I start these conversations off, and I have the person give a little bit of history in the business and all that kind of stuff. And we'll we'll circle back there at some point, I'm sure. And you know, I, in the introduction, I. I you know gave a little bit of background as to what you've done and how long you've been doing it for. I, I want to dive right in though to to some content. Um, sure. Let's let's talk about you know we're recording this in you know latter part of May of 2023. First and foremost, what are you seeing with rates? You've been doing this a long time. Where do you think we're going? Um, and tell us a little bit about the back end too, like how that affects, you know, how the yield curve is affecting, you know, short-term fixed rate mortgages, as I like to refer to them, when you see that normalizing, et cetera. Let's go there. Sure. I'll try to do one at a time and I'll try to remember and getting old, Tim, I forget these questions. And that's why I have a pad and paper in front of me to write stuff down. So the first thing is, I mean, I do, um, like many in the industry and Barry, I, I do um, agree rates will, will ultimately come down. I don't know when. I do think there is going to be a recession. I don't know how deep it is. I think it's going to be mild. Um, rates will come down to what extent? I'm not sure. Do I think it will happen sometime at the end of this year? Yes. And into next year, into 24. 
but definitely sometime in the next 18 months, we're going to see lower rates. Um, it's odd, like um, um, uh, Dr. Yoon uh, from the, the chief economist at National Association of Realtors, um, last week he was at a conference and I got his results and uh, he did forecast rates were going to be lower, but he was higher than the MBA and Fannie and Freddie and higher than Barry. So if you look at every industry expert that we rely on, um, they all have a different take. So I'm not smarter than they are, but the general consensus is rates will go down. It's just to what extent. I don't think we're going to see sub five for a long time, but if we got a hundred basis point lift in the next 12 months, um, I think everybody who's listening to this will be a winner in some way, shape or form. So what are you doing? you personally and maybe even more importantly the the greater body of worker originators at nj lenders what are you guys all doing right now to position yourself for that do you have any so, forward-thinking strategy around that yeah so like many um the the first thing is I, I had a call this morning with my marketing department and um i said we have to start let's go marketing then we'll go data okay let's go marketing is the industry collectively believes there's not going to be a ton of rain to refinances out there. Um, the refinances out there are going to be need based or specifically cash out debt consolidation, selling payment. And it's a lot of things that you've had um, other great uh, industry participants discuss. So I was trying to give an analogy to it is um, a 3% mortgage is an asset. It's not a liability. And I'll use this word. That's an embarrassment is if a person has a great rate, they only look at the fork and they're not looking at the stake. The stake is their total debt. Assets minus liability equal net worth. What a lot of people just think of the mortgage, the mortgage, the mortgage, and they kind of ignore the other part. So when you have a person that has an 8% rate and you're taking them to a 3% or 6 to a 3, it's easy. Hey, Tim, call you up. I could save you $500 a month. I'm going to send you my app. We'll refinance it. We'll close you in three weeks, 30 days. It's the easiest sale. This sale is going to require a lot more education, a lot more convincing because the individual's first response is going to be no, because they're thinking that am I a fool to give up a 3% rate? Because in the back of their mind, they think, which we know they're wrong, they're going to pay this credit card debt off. They're going to pay the home equity line off. We know it's not going to happen. We have the, the best advice we could give them, the best thing for them, but it's not going to be a one-call close. So what we're doing from a marketing perspective, and I'm going to do this marketing over probably three to 12 months, it's going to be purely educational, showing examples, showing quick videos, um, showing charts and just Tell, telling stories, telling stories, yeah. because the first time a person hears this, they're going to be, no, that's not me. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not that person. I'm going to pay off my debt. But the reality is they're not. So the first thing is education. Yeah. Nobody this, wants to wave the white flag, right? I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. there's a lot I, of shame. I, there's a lot of shame about, about so, having excessive credit card debt. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a friend, I know him 30 years. He lives in a multi-million dollar house and maybe life didn't go his way economically. Um, and he was in an IO, the IO just reset. I was a luckily to put him in another IO. He got some family assistance to pay down some credit card debt, pay off a home equity loan. He got 
like a half a million dollars of financial existence. This is not the norm. This is not most of our population. I said to him, sell your house. He's got three kids, youngest freshman in college, maybe a senior high school, oldest just got out. They're active in the community, most well-liked guy. Everybody knows them. He lives in a nice town we would all live, want to live in. As a sense of pride or a lack of embarrassment, he won't move. Fundamentally, economics 101, sell your house. You walk away with a, in this guy's case, almost $2 million. All your problems are solved. But no, he won't do it. That's the same type of mentality of the person in it you know, maybe not the same numbers, who will reluctantly do the cash out strategy. So I think it's going to take a lot of marketing initiative on the industry's part to educate the people to do the right thing. You know, bro, I think it's a lot like that's very well articulated. I love the campaign strategy. Would love to actually, if you want to run any of it by me, just to have a set of eyes on it, would love to give you feedback. But I think it's a it's it's a really great idea. And it's something that I've talked with Trevor Carlson and Jay Dacey a little bit about, too, is that it's the same thing as it relates to reverse mortgages. So it's the same mentality. I mean, yes. like I yes. worked so hard to pay this house off and now yes. you're telling me something that is so counterintuitive to everything that I've learned. thousand percent. You know, same thing with it's so counterintuitive to everything that I've learned that I should ever even think about getting rid of a three and a quarter percent 30 year fixed rate mortgage, even though I'm choking to death and you've so there has to be this. You know, the other thing you touched upon, bro, is that like the, the selling from six to three is immediate gratification. Like you're used to the one call close done. Mm -hmm. What we're also talking about is getting used to a new way of selling. Right. A, tier, a tiered selling process where you build some equity and trust with the person over the course of a few different interactions to where then they feel that next credit card payment. And they're like, you know what, man, I got to throw the towel in here because you're ringing in their ear because you've taken the time to really teach them over a period of time. Right. So that's, that's beautiful. Is that going to be, what's it going to be like uh, you said video, but is there going to be direct mail pieces or just emails well, or texts? Or so what? I think what happens is, so the second part of it is we are going to educate our entire database um, and we're going to put it on social based on the people we're connected to. But um, the best part about the mortgage industry 2023 is our ability to collect data. Um, even if you go back like four or five years ago, what we're able to get today, you couldn't get then. So instead of going out into the ocean and looking for fish, we're going to go out into the ocean over a wreck where we know the fish are. So we're going to invest money and everybody on this call could do the same is um, depending on the most expensive thing to do is I was talking to Mark Bowie and he's going to take 700 of his clients and he's going to do a soft poll. That's probably $1,400, $14, a soft poll. That's he's going to spend $11,000. That is the most expensive thing to do. And then he's going to take the time and look at six, 700 credit reports to see who has home equity lines, credit cards, etc. You could also contact your credit company, and this is Josh Barris, is, and, I, and you know Tim mentions a lot of these names of our mutual friends, and for those active listeners, you'll, you'll know these people or get to know them. They're a lot of the top skilled, smartest people in the industry that we learn from is you could get information for as little as a dollar file 
upwards. So what we're going to do is every person is a different part of the country. Uh, we have higher loan amounts. CoreLogic, I believe, the average balance of a first mortgage that's getting refinanced is approximately 180,000. It was 160. Now, some of your listeners are in a part of the country where that number may resonate, but other listeners that are by coastal or out of metro areas, their loan amounts are going to be significantly higher. So you come up with a more watermark. My watermark is going to be loans under like four, 425,000 and below. I'm going to then pull out people who started out with an ADLTV or lower because anybody above, even if they have some appreciated, there's not going to be equity. (laughs) So I have to start out with an audience of a population. I'm going to take that data and get it over to my credit company. And depending on what filters you want, they can identify people who have balances on home equity lines and balances on uh, credit cards. We're going to then do outbound calling, mortgage checkups and you know, little big brother here, um, as well who's as doing, gonna, who's doing the calls, the originator, or are you guys using dialers? It depends. It's, you know, and I give this analogy. I mean, and uh, I have a woman, Alicia cleaning our house for 25 years. I mean, she's, she's family to us. When my son's girlfriend broke up with her, I walk in and I see her crying on the couch next to my mother because her little baby's girlfriend, you know, broke up with them. So Alicia doesn't have a housekeeper, right? We do. It cleans our house once a week. I don't want to sound like a prima donna. So you're, if you have a loan, this is like, you have a loan, you're like beating your chest right now. As to how no, I mean, you are. No, it's like you think I, <laughs> I could barely do freaking life. If it was up to me, I would never clean my house. Yeah, your I'm toilets, okay. your toilets would not be yeah, something. I had to clean my off. desk for you, pal. Um, <laughs> yeah, you did, you did a nice job. What are those two bottles in the back left-hand corner? So what I did, and this is a, um, what we did is uh, we bought a barrel, 250 bottles of makers. Um, and we got to pick the flavor and it said NJ lenders blending your spirit with ours. And it was a pretty good holiday gift. I mean, when I did it, it was before the market turned. I'm not doing it this year, but, um, it's not a bad gift. Um, you know, as everybody knows, if you're a bourbon drinker, makers, you nice middle of the road, um, thing. So he just gave it out. Um, that's that's a topic that we're going to talk about in this conversation sure. for sure because you're probably the best that I've ever seen at branded gifts to your database and during the loan process and all these things. I for sure want to spend time there. Right, thank you. But I, I hide. Yeah, you're welcome. I hijacked you. Um, we were we left off where um, as it relates to pulling the pulling of the data, um, and then and I was talking and, and about making sure that you have the. Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, you were talking so, about. So what your, happened is that you know. Loan officers became prima donnas. Um, And when the money, when the loans were falling off the money tree and everybody had discretionary income, you were able to hire um, people to do things for you. And not everybody should have a housekeeper. Some people have plenty of time to clean their own house. So as far as the dialers, I think it's a personal decision. And you you have to evaluate what is your hourly worth? You know, what are you worth per hour? And if you could get somebody to do that task and pay them a lot less than you can, have them do it. But not everybody has a team. Not everybody has a dialer. And, you know, for those that don't have that, they probably also don't have 10,000 people to call. So I think in this market, there's not a one size fits all. And who's going to make that call, Tim? I also think you have to segregate. Good answer, by the way. And I, I also think that if you have a list, if Bowie has a list of 700 people, you know, you, you, you want to segregate it. You want to, you know, chunk it into groups like 
tier one, tier two, tier three. And it's possible that the tier threes are people that maybe you didn't have that much of a connection with during the process or that your team talked to more frequently than they did. And maybe even the opportunity isn't as imminent or great right now based upon the information that you have is your tier one people. You could have a dialer call them on your behalf. Tim wanted me to say hello, da 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 da. Just want to ask you a few questions, you know, and, and gather a little bit more detail. Um, so I, I think that's another mistake that originators make is that they don't think through the process of, you know, who are my my first group of people to call? Because you've got the low hanging fruit. Right. You know, you got somebody who's got sixty five grand in credit card debt, and the last loan they did with you was four and a quarter. Okay. And they put 30% down. So you probably have plenty of equity and you know, you, you even take a look at the file, which by the way, is another thing I saw a post this morning from Mike Horn and the, I think it was in the business thread about like, also like if, did you max them out on their DTI? I right. mean, and you know, and I mean, if they were at 43 on the back end, then right. that might be a little bit more difficult loan than somebody who was at 30. Right. right? Well, so, let's hope that their income went up. But one of the things too, Tim, where this is different and I, you've been doing this as long as I have, maybe actually longer is, um, I you're trying to say, are you trying to say that I'm older? Than you no, or? I'm older than you. I mean, <laughs> when, you know, I'm Tim's friend and Tim is currently married, but when he was single and he used to go out on the websites, he used to lie about his age. He was the only guy I know other than my mother who was 49 for like five years. But you know, and I, if for those that are connected to him on, whatever. He's probably still says he's 49 and he's not 47 now. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you, you look good. You look very oh, good. Thank you. Very handsome man. Um, <laughs> thank you. So, so one of the things, Tim, is that um, I can't think of um, another sales process that our industry has experienced where it's not going to be immediate. So what happens is we could identify these people today, but the rate may not be there, mm -hmm. but we're hoping and praying and we all believe it's going to get there. So we can't wait for this to get there because if we wait and then start doing this, the train's going to leave the station for two reasons. One, your competitors may beat you out on it. And there's also a driving force. What inflation is going to push down the rates. A recession is going to push down the rates. What happens in a recession, the Fed will reverse its raising. So your window closes as the Fed lowers short-term rates because we're arbitraging the fact that the long end is going to go down quicker than the short end. But the long end is going to go down and the short end is going to go down afterwards. So our greatest... Um, sales pitch to demonstrate the best savings or the best thing to do is going to be immediate when these rates go down because if rates go down and stay down the long end is going to come down come, or the short end is going to come down come down so that home equity rate where you say it's eight or nine what if it gets down to six or the credit card rates it's still going to have a lot of sizzle but not as much as it did when they're sky high so i think you work on the arbitrage that's a great way of articulating it, the arbitrage. And, you know, it's that lag effect that from the time where the lag market effect. knows yep. the market knows and reacts and mortgage backed securities rally, but the Fed's still got their hands in their pocket. Yes. And I could also make a case for I've been thinking a lot about this, that maybe the best case scenario is a 
uh, a shallow, longer recession that has them not having to react so quickly with qualitative easing that it, that that gap that you're talking about, that arbitrage shrinks like very rapidly, like 25 basis point cuts for the first three into next year. And right. then, you know, would would I think for the industry would would help it out a lot. Um, so back to the marketing. Um, anything else that you're doing with that? I love the campaign. Is your beautiful mug going to be on the marketing pieces or, or who, who's are you marketing? Not on? mine. You know, I, I, I look better over the phone, you know that, um, <laughs> um, but uh, whatever it takes, but I, I handle the marketing. I mean, I, I still originate a little bit, not as much as I used to. I'd like to keep my hands still, in, you know, in, you know, in the pot, but I kind of create the initiatives for almost a hundred different loan officers um, for those that not everybody is going to lead me through the burning door. But what we try to do is a lot of it for them because when it comes to a lot of ideas, people want to do it, but they they just will find excuses or they don't have the resource to implement. So, but that was very fucking kind. Yeah, they're just shitty implementers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, we this is what I learned in coaching with you, Tim. Is I thought I was a failure. I used to think I was a horrible implementer, and then it was you, Julie, and and, and Scott brought it to my attention. Is um, you're not a bad, you're not a failure. You just don't have the bandwidth to implement. So I surrounded myself with a lot of great implementers and I may come up with the master idea and I have people implement, but they're also implementing for others. Mm -hmm. So what I find is, um, if you're, I you're could, scaling, you're scaling your yes, intellect yes. is what you've just done. That's what I'm doing. Like, I want to, I want to like, let's, that's like a boom pause. Sure. Let's just sink that, sink that in for the audience. I mean, so you figured out what I heard you just say was I figured out what I like to do and what I do well, and that would be valuable to the organization because it would, my ideas would have an influence on their success, which would I assume have some retention components to it from a business perspective. And then on top of all of that, I'm going to do what I do best, which is be creative and think through the strategics of it and let somebody else implement it. And I've Correct. just scaled, scaled my knowledge and that yep. is super so powerful and i'm going to state that but i'm going to state it in a different way and this okay. is i think when i when i coach individuals and with in our industry and outside of it and i look at professional development is that when you meet people whether when you're a kid and someone was bragging how they were a great athlete or a parent was bragging how smart little susie and johnny was which was great but I first, one of the best things in professional development is not to identify what you're good at, is when you really start to grow as a person, as a leader, you identify what you're bad at. And that was, that it came out with me and coaching is with you is that where I was beating myself with the whip saying, you know, you just always start these projects and you never complete. Then I realized, wait a second, that's not what I'm good at. And I realized what I'm bad at to help me get better at something. And that's what helped me actually uh, really succeed and achieve and, and, and finish tasks. So it was just, you know, people always think I'm great, great, great. I first figure out what you're bad, bad, bad. Then you'll figure out what you're great, great, great at. Well, then you're not feeding. Once you've identified what you're bad at, then you're not feeding it because I think what naturally happens, I don't know if this applies to, to you um, in the past, but you identify, you may not realize that you're quote unquote bad at it. You may have not come to 
the place of completion and your thought process of like, okay, I'm, I acknowledge that I'm bad at it. So you work really hard to try to be good at something you're bad at. And you expend right. all this energy because right. you haven't really just rectified within yourself. You know what? I'm not good at that and I don't like it. And now I can look at what am I good at it and what, what do I like? So that's, that's, that's an incredible. Also creates anxiety and it's felt <laughs> guilt. Yep. But the reality is, is guilt and anxiety is not justified because it's the story that you're telling you in your head that, you know, I wanted to do this and I'm a failure or, you know, I'm just not getting it done and you know, just, you're not good at it. So get somebody else to help you that is good at it. So, so you guys are going to be doing that. Anything, what about with agents, anything you're doing marketing wise with agents before we pivot to, to, to other so, topics? Um, I haven't gone deeper with my agents on trying to get them to introduce me with some of the people that um, are considering listing their home and maybe um, advising these clients on the best way to handle the equity in their home. Mm -hmm. So I haven't done that with agents, but what we're trying to do, I mean, agents are in scarcity also like loan officers. I mean, there's just not at least in most parts of the country, we have an inventory crisis. Um, it, it's a problem. I, I, I personally don't think it's going to resolve itself for many, many years. Um, it will improve slightly, but we, we have this inventory issue. Um, what we try to do is come up with different tools um, on that could potentially help a homeowner get their bid accepted. So we just came up with one where we do an AVM on the home and then if the ABM comes in acceptable, uh, we'll give a value assurance to say that we will guarantee the value of the home. And we put in ADLTV, single family, agency product, no FHA. Uh, we run the AUS at different LTVs to make sure we um, don't make a mistake. And the intent here is if we're right 96% of the time, we can then have the borrower go in with a fully vetted credit approval and they have our value certificate. We're not saying you could waive your appraisal because we still have to make sure the house is in satisfactory condition and meets the Fannie Mae standards. But we're trying to have um, position our borrowers so they can compete with all cash offers. So that was a recent product we uh, rolled out and we didn't invent it. We took it from somebody else um, who kind of came up with it. Everybody on this call, please feel to take it. It's, you know, just... You just have to constantly come up with different tools. Um, it feels a little bit like re-gifting what you just did. Yes. So yes. <laughs> yes. I was watching Seinfeld last night. I thought of that. Um, but um, so, but it's the agents are having the same emotional and financial challenges that loan officers are having. So it's our job to pump them up. And whatever your secret sauce is, or not everybody can be a coach, not everybody can be a mentor, not everybody has a specific skill set, but each and every person on this call has something of value that you can provide to your agents to help them grow their business. And you just can't say, I'll close your loan on time, I have great rates, I have great service. It's agents don't want to hear that. You have to come to them with ideas and suggestions on how they could grow or improve their business. And if you don't have a script or a product or a solution, you're wasting their time and you're wasting yours because they don't have a lot of transactions to give out. And I think they're gonna be selective on who they give them to. 
And if I was them, I would give it to people who add value to me. And it's not like Zillow marketing. It's not MSAs. It's really rolling up your sleeves and working with your agents and just trying to show them ways on how they could grow their business. You know, I was talking to your boy Trejo yesterday in a coaching session and we were identifying, uh, we were identifying what he does well. So it's perfect to this conversation. Like you have to have something of value you bring. And I pointed out to him and I don't think he saw it, but that dude knows how to structure loans. Like he, 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 he's been around for a long time. Um, and he's been a broker his whole career and therefore has had lots of different products to, to have to get himself educated on. And right now, that's probably the most valuable thing you could bring to a real estate agent is that you can get a deal done that maybe wouldn't have gotten done if it wasn't for you, because right. that can be the catalyst to like, I mean, I've got some stories, man, of tough deals that I was able to get done. I don't even think I've ever told them to you. I won't go into them in this, in this conversation, but like right now, and I'm sure you have some, you probably have more stories than me about because of your knowledge of product about you were able to get a deal done that maybe somebody else couldn't get done. And boom, now it's like 10 more loans in the next 12 months. Right. So that's why studying that stuff and understanding your product offering and, and whatever, you know, you know, first time home buyer products are out there, et cetera, is really important right now. Hey, the cream's going to rise to the top, Tim. I mean, um, and I, I shared this statistic with you because, um, I think a lot of us were misunderstood that everybody thinks there's 500,000 loan officers, there's 350,000 loan officers, and something that came out of Christman the other day, there's a little over 100,000. We probably still have 30,000 extra loan officers that we really need in the industry that the industries could support. But um, you don't want to become the garbage man. And so when you articulate that message, you don't want to be I could get all the complex correct, deals. Correct, correct. I want all your deals. Right. So sometimes if you can get third-party validation on that from another real estate agent giving you a testimonial or a borrower saying, I went to Chase and they couldn't do my loan, but Trejo was able to do it. Or or the, you know, the customer says is that I never thought I could buy a house until I met Steve Grossman. So... Because there, there, there's um, a loan officer that I know that you know um, that works on a really high margin and um, he does all tough loans and he gets paid for them. But he's got to have a reputation of the garbage man because he doesn't get any of the cream puff deals either um, because everybody comes to him for the stuff that nobody else could do. Well, hello, friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas, where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.